thank you for joining me again this morning. Today I wanted to talk about, uh, I was just listening to a Tim Ferriss um, podcast and I'm in the car so apologies for the background noise. I felt called to jump on and record this episode because it was something that was so clear and present to me. Just listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast and he's interviewing a gentleman whose name I can't remember, and he's talking about this concept called the lighter path, and I feel like this is so appropriate in my field at the moment, because I have to be honest with you, when I jump on social media, or I'm in my work, and I am not a social media person from a um, voyeuristic perspective, my business is run off a number of social media platforms. So for me, it is like how I connect with my customers, my potential clients, my audience, maybe those people who are contemplating working with me but aren't sure whether I'm for them. So this is like a business tool for me. But what is becoming ever so present and clear in my field as we journey into like year two of this pandemic you know, COVID, whatever you want to, however you refer to this, and we're still seeing the same very heavy-handed tactics used in the country I live in, in Australia, in terms of keeping the pandemic at bay and not much of an adaption policy to how we are to live. I mean, you know, we need to be able to live a life that has some semblance to where we were prior to and I believe that's entirely possible. However, I believe there are a number of things that prevent our powers at being governments from stepping into that space. And what I'm seeing is like a growing agitation again from, you know, the population when it is literally slammed into like these lockdowns within 24 hours mandatory mask mandates etc 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 um and the rise of like discontent but what i'm seeing in this social media like in this space of like where i get most of my information which largely like other people comes from social media channels um i'm seeing like this real we are back on the heavier path the theories of suppression and oppression and people not taking their, you know, people being very, uh, the accusations of like a laxness with our personal freedoms and very divisive commentary. But very much we have again shifted onto this heavier path, this path of there is no hope if you don't do this thing divisive language, lots of um, commentary around things that people feel they have an expertise in, but it's it's almost like accusatory, which very heavy-handed, which look from my perspective as someone who's journeyed through some pretty heavy things, um, I don't feel like that moves the needle on anyone's psyche or approach to an issue particularly like socially like an issue such as this pandemic with the reach it has socially financially socioeconomically for us 
I don't, I, I don't feel like, it's like we don't like the heavy-handedness of the government, but then our narrative becomes very heavy in its approach. That accusation of like, if you do these things, you're an idiot. If you wear a mask, where are you on your personal freedoms? If you don't follow these health, you know, if you are not eating well, how can you say you believe in this? It's almost like if we are not lead, if we are on the Puritan path, or the very heavily invested, like, <coughs> health-conscious part, more boxes you can tick in terms of, like, you know, how well you eat, how regularly you exercise, what your body weight looks like, what's your overall physical fitness like, um, then you have a right to comment on how people are responding to, to the pandemic, whereas if you are not someone who is... Um, you know, potentially perceived as like ticking all those boxes from a health perspective, then you better sit down and pipe down. And that to me feels like very oppressive, almost like as a suppressionist sort of tactic with it and very heavy handed and also on a much heavier path. And this guy who Tim Ferriss was interviewing and I will put it in the notes when I publish this podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm driving. I can't obviously look for it. Um, he talks about a very serious health issue that one of his children experienced and whilst they were trying to ascertain what the issue was and how to respond to it, he noticed this real distinction in himself in terms of how, you know, where he would sit emotionally and and so from a wellness, like in a, a mental and emotional wellness perspective, where he would allow his response to sit was he going to go with the heavier path of like, oh, my God, my child is sick. This is all so um, heavy and there's no, no one can tell us what's wrong and she's having these very severe uh, effects on her health and her mobility and her ability to lead a, a relatively normal life. Um, there's this very, very, very serious set of circumstances that is affecting his daughter is in a very serious health situation and he's like you know I can go down this path of feeling very hopeless about this and that feels very much like the heavy path and I can read all the literature and I can be drawn to all the communication that just fulfills that heaviness or I can go on this lighter path where there's hope <coughs> where I'm open to the possibility of finding something that is going to help my daughter, where I'm open to the possibility of something. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Where I'm open to the possibility of something working for my child. And in that very light, hopeful space. And I really resonated with this language because I try and describe how... I was mentally with cancer and when I was in that journey and how, you know, I've talked about in the past how I did not involve myself in, um, you know, lots of spaces with other cancer patients. Um, And what my... And it was just a knowing in me at that stage not to be um, not to be heavily 
surrounded by people who are the sick people, are the people who perceive themselves to be in this space of like severe unwellness. And you could say, is that my, like I do have a tendency to kind of live in a, I say in inverted commas, like an unreal world. But is it an absence of like reality or is it me or is it my ability to see reality in a certain light? Because, you know, like I have shared um, that, you know, in my cancer journey I had my oncologist, my family and a very close circle of friends. A lot of people were really um, unable to 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 be in the space of cancer with me it was very triggering for people a lot of people were like look I don't know how to handle this and really took my prognosis quite personally um and just you know really just withdrew which is cool that's everyone's journey um but for me I had you know my my immediate family a very close circle of friends but I'm even really honest, some of my family couldn't cope with it. It just was not happening for some people very close to me, which again, at that point I was, I was so, if that's your journey, that's your journey. It's clearly not mine because I'm in it. Um, so this, you know, this very small group of people around me. I had two, I also had a fantastic advocate who worked for an organisation called Melanoma Patients Australia. And she was a very, like, it wasn't positivity or was it just someone who was, like, so willing to support me in however I was feeling about the disease. She's such a fantastically intuitive woman and a brilliant support Um, and fantastic with tools and, like, just just an amazing all-around woman. So... I had this beautiful woman called Fiona Bennett. You can still find her online. She is still providing patient support services. Uh, And I had two friends who were two girlfriends who were also in a melanoma journey. And I think out of the three of us, my perception is, is that I was the one who was willing to really buy the farm on I'm going to get through this. Um, One of the girlfriends was very, uh, will I say, we just had different approaches to things, right? Um, And one one of the girls who I was very good friends with during this time, she... Uh, she did pass away from melanoma in 2017. Um, and so, you know, like I had this real, this real thing about, I don't want to be surrounded by other sick people and the people I do surround myself with, I, I need them to believe that this disease does not define who we are, how we show up, and also that I'm not going to die from this. Whether or not that was the <clears throat> the reality of the prognosis, I needed people to believe that there was a possibility that I could get through this. 
that this would just be an illness and maybe I would be sick for a little while or a long time. But there was going to be an end date on the, the, the sickness part of it and that I was going to move on to life beyond cancer. That's, that's what I needed to believe and that's what I required people around me to believe. And so I very much feel like, you know, I could have trod the really heavy path with cancer. I could have been very much like, here's all the research, which, I mean, man, when you Google that shit, it is a heavy topic, you know. Here's all the research on, like, longevity, illness, side effects, treatment options. Okay, so here's here's that in a nutshell. The longevity statistics are shit and skewed because new treatments are being developed, you know, and we know with scientific research it has to have a certain amount of longitudinal data for it to be relevant, right? So, you know, is it available? Because it's like I, I hadn't been sick for five years. People die within five years, you know. These new treatments were coming up. And so when I'm in the journey of a micro uh, ask Google, have, you know, what's the survival um, statistics for what's the five-year survival statistical rates for people with, you know, stage four melanoma? Like, the first time I Googled it was like 7%. And I'm like, fuck, that's uplifting. Okay. Um, you know, and automatically it's like 7%. Okay, so straight away, like, had a beautiful girlfriend, Carolyn Swindell, who would say things like this to me. Okay, great. Quirky, we just need to be in the 7%. You know, which was like fantastic because that's exactly what needed to happen. It's exactly how it needed to be. I needed to be in the seven percent. Fantastic. But if you don't have that support who's willing to go the lighter path, right? And it's like, yeah, there's hope, yeah, we're here, yeah, these are the things that are open to us. The other side, the heavier path there, straight away, straight up is oh, the survival rate is seven percent. Fuck, who's going to be in the 7%? I mean, what's the likelihood of being in the 7% when there's 93% that don't make it through? And if I'm not doing these things, you know, like there's so much um, literature around at that stage. It's like you will not survive unless you're, and this was the other, other side of things, which I found really heavy, right, which other people clearly find hope in. But for me, I found this super heavy was, Unless you are doing almost rejecting the treatment options and you become vegan and you don't eat dairy anymore and you do um, high-potency vitamin C injections and you do hyperbaric oxygen chambers and you have, um, like there's some big names in the naturopathic field that charge a squillion dollars a consultation and unless you were seeing them to get all these supplements, then you're, you had no chance. And that felt really heavy to me. The juice fasting, the, the, I don't really want to name this guy, but I'm not going to. You can DM me if you want to know. Um, there's like a particular guy in this field who's like, reject your medication, reject your Western treatment. You know, food is thy medicine. Do these things, these juice fasting, liver cleanses, water cleanses, um, you know, this very, very old turn at like 
way of apparently beating cancer and restoring your health, right? And, you know, I mean, that may, I, I never tried it because for me, it felt like a much heavier path. It was, I watched friends get onto that path and it was like, they're so prescriptive with their food. It just felt like a constriction of like, you cannot do this, you cannot eat this, you cannot have that, you cannot be here, you must do this. And for me, I was like so conscious of where I was at and I was so tired, like, this shit makes you tired, you know, and I just watched a particular girlfriend of mine literally run herself into the ground doing all these things while she was on the same treatment as me and incredibly unwell, but dragging herself off to, you know, these all these different appointments, doing juice fast, water fast, liver cleansers, um, these different, you know, health, symposiums with this guy was like get rid of your treatment and you know it just felt so heavy and not my path so I I didn't I didn't go down that path and unfortunately this is the girlfriend of mine who passed away which was like so incredibly tragic um but you know I, I share that in terms of like it's 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 there's so many parallels I'm drawing to watching how we are responding to the pandemic, you know, and, and look, I'm not saying I, my opinion on, um, masks, etc., is not up for discussion, but what I will say is this way that our different, you know, powers that be are responding to things with immediate lockdowns, etc., is, um, I, I don't agree. I think it, it's, it doesn't give us a sense of, like, people do feel like our personal freedoms are being massively infringed upon. You might be able to, as powers of big, get away with this, like, once or twice, and people will be largely compliant. But outside of that, it's like, that's enough. Where's the adaption policy? And it feels very heavy how they're responding to it. So I'm like, again... If the energy of the thing is really heavy, then what do we expect to attract in that space? It's heavy full stop for everyone. Everyone feels the heaviness of this way that it's being dealt with, you know. And I feel like, um, you know, I, I feel like that's largely been part of the issue, right, is that our governments are actually inviting or the powers that be are actually inviting the response they're getting um but so you know what I largely wanted to talk about today was like this the lighter path or the heavier path where do we want to be and for me um it it just feels I don't want to be in a space where I'm spewing forth stuff at at people at my contacts at my at my at people that I highly respect and dearly love I don't want to be in the space of like you know, being so angry with society. Why can't you see this? Why can't you do this? I, I want to walk the lighter path here. And I think, you know, this pandemic has been so upended how we see ourselves and how we approach life. And I get it. It is scary as, you know, I get it. But 
you know, my question to you in parting is like, where do you want to sit on this? Do you want to sit in like, we're being controlled and there's fear tactics and no one knows what they're doing and like, you know, Bill Gates and whatever, all those theories of like how there is an evil agenda, right? Or do you want to sit in the space of like, this is just showing for me, this is what's, this is, I'll, I'll give you the download, the quirk download on this. This is what I believe is going on. I believe we have been largely uninterested in how, in who our leaders are in this country for quite some time. And I would say on an international scale, we have been largely uninterested. And those that have been interested have been triggered from a perspective of fear in terms of if I don't respond to this like this, then my the way I live my life is going to be impacted. So then I, I clutch, I use the fear handbrake straight away. That's the tactic I'm going to use, fear. And we have bought into this from our leaders and our powers that be as a tactic. And fear is a fantastic tool and tactic and mindset to control people with. So if we want to talk about control, let's just go with the fear tactic, right? But I largely believe, I believe that we have largely been uninterested in our leaders. And I think we have been largely unmotivated to pay attention to how we are governed and led. And unfortunately, when we have a series of crises, and here in Australia, the pandemic was like we had the most severe bushfires we had had in a number of years. We had severe flooding. We had, and then we had the pandemic. And for me, I think, you know, we have had like community and societal crises before this. We are at an unprecedented level with like the way that we interface with our Indigenous community, racism and, you know, abuse of like our Indigenous sisters and brothers is at an all-time high, um, you know, we, we have a number of issues here. We've, had, we've been in refugee crisis for a number of years in terms of how we respond to refugees entering this country. And, you know, we have largely been uninterested in how our leaders have responded to this stuff. And then we have had a pandemic. And now we are seeing that, our, that there is a massive dearth, a massive gap in leadership in this country and I would dare say even on an international scale and that's what I feel like has been this pandemic has just exacerbated and highlighted like look at who we are being led by this is when this stuff is like you know really important most people it's like anything you don't pick someone that you're going to be led by someone that you're having in a critical leadership role, whether that be from coaching, mentoring, business to government or to government, you know, maybe it's a community group, whatever. It's like most people can lead in calm seas, you know? It's like that old like the 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 cliche, whatever you want to call it. It's like calm seas do, do not make good sailors. Right? The effectiveness of our leadership is 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 actually tested and shown and highlighted in the space of crisis and here we have a crisis and for me the response of leadership to this crisis has raised some massive 
massive red flags on who we elect into powerful positions in this country. So that's my take on it. And I think, you know, like, again, I'm going to use another cliche, the fish rots from the head down. So if we have poor leadership, that creates divisiveness in our community, which we cannot argue we have seen. It's just the way it is, right? Poor leadership, divisiveness in the community, poor, poor mechanisms of managing ourselves in a health crisis. Who do we take advice from? How do we manage community? How do we manage society? You know, um, just for me, like has highlighted, like I said, has highlighted this massive gap in effectiveness and effective leadership in this country. So I will leave you with that. And my question to you is, which path do you want to walk? The heavier path of like, this can only go one way or the lighter path of like, okay, there is nothing like a people unified. And if we can unify for our common goal and realize that like largely our triggers and our levers are pulled by fear, fear that our life is going to be impacted, people going back down into repeated lockdowns feel very differently about, about their leaders than, you know, people like, largely in New South Wales, we haven't had a government that's pulled us in and out of lockdowns. Our, our leadership has responded in different ways. So we've largely been unaffected, but other states have really felt this um, lever of, you know, shut the borders, lock us down, do these things. So my question is, you know, which path do you want to walk? The lighter path of like unification and a people unified is, you know, that that wields that wields some power, and we unify people by actually inviting them in, by engaging and respecting our differences, not fear task, not fear tactics, not judgment, not shame. Which path would you like to walk? Thanks for joining me this morning. I very much appreciate your time. And I hope that you have enjoyed this little recording I've done, this little solo recording. Uh, you know, if you want any more information, reach out to me at hello at natquirk.com. If you want to know anything about me in a, you know, what I do sense, it is, you can find my website uh, at www.natquirk.com that is Q-U-I-R-K I am on Facebook as you guessed it, Nat Quirk and I'm on Instagram as Nat underscore Quirk you can also find me on TikTok Uh, I've got a YouTube channel too I mean I'm on so many social platforms anyway, just Google Nat Quirk, you'll find me and uh, yeah if there's anything else you want to know then hit me up there